Good morning, Parkway Church. How you guys doing today? Good. I'm so glad that three of you are excited to be here today. So good to have you, whether you're gathered at Parkway Victoria, Parkway Lone Tree, Parkway Victoria, or at Parkway Online. We are so glad you're here. And by the way, if you're sick at Parkway Online, we will be praying for you, and we're especially glad that you're not here so that it's not spreading through the rest of us. So thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. Whatever campus you're gathered at, for whatever reason you came, you are welcome here. My name is Mike. I'm the senior pastor here. And it is my privilege each and every week to open the Bible with you. And we're on a journey through Scripture where we're getting to know God through the storyline of the Bible. And we're seeing the theological threads that run throughout Scripture, getting to know the major players and the major beliefs in Scripture. We're in a series now entitled This, Not That. And in this series, we're trying to choose wisely the the truth that we're building our life on. And as we get started there, you could turn to Romans chapter 3. And as you turn to Romans 3... Let me tell you about some things in the life of the church that I want to make sure you're in on. First one is this. If you haven't found your place to serve yet, use that insert in the bulletin as a place for you to find your way to serve in our church or through our church in the community. We want every believer serving according to their giftedness. We aren't looking for volunteers, but we're looking for servants of Jesus Christ. So if you don't know where you serve on a regular basis then find your place to serve. That'll be a great starting place for you. Also, we're in a season now where we're nominating new deacons for our church. Deacons are servants at Parkway. And so if you know a a man in our church who is living a godly life and who has a ministry within our church family, and you say, hey, I want to acknowledge that, and I want to call them to a next level of leadership as deacon in our church, I encourage you to do two things. You can write their name on the back of that volunteer sheet in the bulletin, or you can use the Parkway app and submit it via the app. But I encourage you to encourage others to step into the role of deacon by nominating them. So you're saying, Mike, you want me to show you where I want to serve, and I get to say where somebody else should serve more? Like, this is the best thing ever. And so I encourage you, use those sheets and take action. One last March 24th through 26th, we are going to experience revival together as a church family. We're going to have three nights of revival services with a time of worship and prayer and teaching. We're going to have a guest pastor in for that week. His name is Denny Henderson. And you guys are going to love Denny. And he is going to challenge us with God's word. He's going to encourage us through his storytelling ability. You're going to love him. But I just want to pray that God would use those services as a spark in our relationship with him. If you desire a closer relationship with God, mark March 24th through 26th. Don't wait until late March to have a close relationship with God. Do it today. But if you're looking, you're saying, hey, I want to take my next step, March 24th through 26th. I need encouragement in my walk with Christ this spring, March 24th through 26th. We're going to have three powerful times together at Parkway Victoria. Whole church is invited, and we are so excited to see what the Lord's going to do among us. In fact, I'm so excited about it that every week from here until then, we're going to spend time in our service praying for revival to break out in our hearts, in our church, in our communities. And so let's do it together. Let's pray to God right now. Lord Jesus, we thank you that your Holy Spirit calls men and women to serve. And we pray that your Spirit would call and empower and gift men and women to serve throughout our church. 
Lord, we pray for those that will be nominated as deacon. Lord, may they step up and may they take this level of leadership and servanthood in the church. And Lord, we pray also for revival. Lord, I pray for revival in my own life, a renewed commitment, a renewed passion. And Lord, I pray that for every believer in the crossroads. Lord, may our church lead everyone to a more passionate walk with you. And God, I pray that you would use these services. And I pray that you would use my friend Denny as he opens your word. Lord, I pray that you would use those nights to shape our lives and to shape our church forever. And so, Lord, I pray that as Denny leads his church today, that you're working in him and preparing him. I pray that as he is loving his wife and his kids, that you're showing him the message that you have for us from the word. God, we just pray for those nights in our response to you. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So we're in the book of Romans together. And the book of Romans lays out basic theology for believers. It's written to the church in Rome, the people who God loves, and the people who are holy children of God. And Paul's going to use the book of Romans to, to lay out doctrine and then to say, because of what you believe, this is how you live. And as he does, he draws two extremes from, from, to give us choice or to show us the choice that we're making. Like last week, we said that we should choose faith, not law, when it comes to how we are made right with God. We choose faith, not law. Well, this week we're going to look, and Paul's going to say, choose relationship, not rules. You see the two extremes, but before we get there, I want us to have a little this, not that, fun ourselves. So, like, you're going to make some choices. So here we go. Are you typically early or late, this or that? All right, if, if we're going to play along, y'all better play, all right? Are you introverted or extroverted? You don't need to answer that. You're all introverted, apparently. Right? Introverted, extroverted. Watching Fox or watching CNN? <laughs> likely to see dawn or likely to see midnight? If you had to make a choice between A&M and UT? All right. Now, just be careful how you choose. Because if you choose that instead of this, you're always behind an extrovert watching CNN at midnight, loving Austin. But if you choose this and you choose wisely, you're a step ahead. You're reflective. You're watching Fox News at dawn praying to the Lord Jesus, and you love wearing maroon. So choose this or that very, very wisely. Very specifically today, our this, not that, is relationship, not rules. Because when it comes to our relationship with God, when it comes to how we interact with God, when it comes to how we walk with God, there is a big difference between living based on our relationship with him and trying to keep all the rules that he commands that he gives. There's a big difference. So let me, let me just show you how it's different. Like, let's say that, okay, these are the scariest words that your spouse ever says. When your spouse comes to you and says, we need to talk, that is the scariest, like, we need to talk. I need to leave. No, it's, right? <laughs> and, and so that is the scariest thing. 
And when that happens, how your relationship is built is shown very quickly. Most of the time, when men hear the words, we need to talk, they go into troubleshooting or fix-it mode. Like they will listen intently. And they will apply what they're hearing and men will get into the fix-it mode. And I'll do whatever it takes to make this relationship right. I'll fix it for about three weeks. For about three weeks, I'm in fix-it mode. And then we fall back into everyday life. And maybe if it's not fix-it mode that they drop into, like when a, when a rule is broken or a trust is broken or someone is hurt or angered, you might try and fix it, but you also might just try and cover it up. You might try and deny it. You might try and get defensive about it. And so if you don't drop into fix-it mode, you might drop into cover-up mode. And both of those modes are based on your response to the problem. You haven't been able to keep the rules, so you're going to fix it. You haven't been able to keep the rules, so you're covered with shame and guilt, and you're going to hide it. If your relationship with your spouse or your kids is based on fix it or cover it up, that's a rules-based relationship. But God offers us something different with himself And we can experience far better with each other. He offers us, we're working on it. He offers us, we're working on it. Where together, we are going to work on relational change. Together, we're going to work on the issues that arise. Together, we're working on it. In my house, over the last four or five years, I've learned how to communicate with my wife differently and better than ever before. It's because I've learned that, that it's all about our trust. It's all about our honesty. It's all about not appearing to be close and appearing to have it all together. That's rules. But instead, it's about our relationship that we have together. Feelings and commitments and, and working on it. In fact, in our house, if we ever have to have one of those talks, and and we have them just like y'all do. Well, maybe a little different than y'all do. You know what I'm saying. But we, we have those talks too. And if at the end of that talk, we say we're working on it, or we'll work on it, we walk out of that talk united and committed to each other. We walk out of that talk knowing that change is coming. And it's not because we're fixing it. It's not because we're denying it. It's because together we're in relationship, working on it. And we're going to see that our relationship with God is very much the same way. So let's dig in together in Romans chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 9. The Bible says this. What shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. For we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. One of the reasons that you can't build your life simply on the rules, you must go for relationship with God, is because of the deadly destructive power of sin that impacts us all. Every man, every woman, every child is tainted, stained, dead because of the destruction of sin in our world. None of us are immune. None of us have been immunized to the power of sin without Christ in our life. Romans 3, 10 through 12, listen to this. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one, 
There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. See, Paul is building this big case that sin, the deadly destructive power of sin, has impacted us all. And because it's impacted us all, there's nothing good in any of us. Do I have to convince you of this? Do I have to convince you that we struggle with sin and it destroys our lives and can and will lead to death if it's not dealt with properly? Paul then goes on to describe the deadly destructive power of sin. Romans 3, 13 through 17. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. So Paul is saying that there is a deadly destructive power of sin and it's got real consequences to life. I could go point by point through that passage and show you how sin affects our mouth, how sin affects how we treat other people, how sin affects what we do. But, but listen to what Paul does. He spells it out like a doctor looking at the symptoms and then he makes a diagnosis. All these problems with the mouth, all these problems with hate, all these problems with looking to hurt, all of these issues come down to one problem. Those are just symptoms. Here is the diagnosis. Romans 3.18. There is no fear of God before their eyes. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Let's just pause right here. When it comes to us living in a relationship with God, we live in relationship with God because of who he is and because of our great need for him. Those that say, hey, I'm going to keep the rules and not live in relationship with God, you know what they're doing? They are simply treating the symptoms but never ever getting to the core of the sickness. Do, do you see it? If all I'm doing is trying to keep the rules so that my tongue is more honoring to God so that my life is more chilled out so that I'm not filled with anger or I'm dealing with the addiction if I am simply working on the symptoms I'm building my life based on the rules and I'm not building a relationship with God that will change me do you realize that God has saved you for more than just for you to be a better person than you used to be God has saved you for more than just you to be moral people, to vote right, to act right, to live right. God has saved you, not just so that you can keep a rule or a standard that you set. And church, hear me. Too many times in American Christianity today, we settle for morality. We settle for goodness when God wants godliness. Too many times in American Christianity, we settle for outside change that's based on keeping a set of religious standards, but God is saying, I want inside change that's based on a relationship with me. Let's keep reading. Romans 3, 19 through 20. Now that we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced, and the whole world accountable to God. Every one of us have got to deal with this deadly, destructive power of sin in our life. The law shows us we're guilty, and we know we're accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight 
by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. That's why God calls us to live based on a relationship with him and not the rules. Because the rules don't make you right. The rules only show where you're wrong. The rules don't make you godly. The rules only show you where you are different from God. So live based on your relationship with him. Let's finish up Romans 3. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. All of the Old Testament, the the law that Moses wrote, the prophets that spoke to the people of God, calling them back home to God, all of it points to this. This righteousness, verse 22, is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. Remember, we, we learned that the Jews were trying to work their way or keep their way with God through the law. And we know that Gentiles, every world religion is based on what people do. Every world religion today, every world religion of the past is based on what people do. And Paul says here, there's no difference between the two of you. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. By Christ Jesus. What Paul is saying here, and what I hope that you hear, is we are all guilty of sin. But God invites all to believe in him to find life. There's that word justified. To be made right. To have the Holy Spirit given to you. To have heaven guaranteed as your home. He has given us new life in Christ Jesus. And and, and let me push you one step. If you could live if you could follow, if you could obey, if you could have a relationship with the living God, why would you settle for the dead rules of religion? See, God says, build your life on your relationship with me. You all need it. I'm giving it to all who would believe. Will you now believe in Jesus for life and live with the eternal God of the universe? One of the things I think people need to get is that our life with God begins the moment that we believe in Jesus for life. Our new life with God begins the moment that we believe in Jesus. There's not some day when we're going to live in relationship with God. That day is today. There's not some day when you can follow and obey and see him work. That day is today. Today is the day of salvation, Scripture says. Friends, why wait for another day? Why not live in relationship with God today? Francis Chan, he's a pastor and speaker and evangelist. He says there are two lies of our culture. First one is this. I am a good person. You hear this one all the time. I'm a good person. I'm not a bad person. I haven't killed anybody. I haven't hurt anybody. You know, I'm a good person. That's a lie of our culture. Because the law looks at us and says, you are guilty. The character of God, the holiness of God looks at us and says, compared to me, you missed the mark. You sinned. I'm a good person. 
The second lie of our culture. Because God loves me, he won't punish me. You see how dangerous these two lies are when they're combined? I'm a good person who God loves. And because God loves me, he will never punish me. Well, we see the Apostle Paul say here clearly, you are not a good person. You are broken. You are not a good person. You're a sinner in need of a Savior. You are not a good person. Aren't you glad you came to church today? <laughs> hey, what'd you learn at church? I am not a good person. Well, I could have told you that. You see, by the law, he tells us we're not good people. But by his love and his grace, he invites us into a relationship with him that makes us right with him. He invites us into a relationship with him that makes us his sons or daughters. It's not just based on the rules. It's based on our relationship, how we relate to him. So with that in mind, I've got three questions for you today. And I'm going to do my best to get to all three. First one is this. If I don't keep the rules, do I lose my relationship? You might be wondering, for your kids who believed in Jesus when they were young, but are doing their own thing today. You might be concerned about your grandkids who believed in Jesus when they were young and are now doing their own thing. If I don't keep the rules, do I lose my relationship? And one of the reasons we ask this question is because we live in a society that has disposable relationships. We've seen commitment lived short-term between friendships, between friends. We've seen covenants broken with divorce. We've seen lives wrecked and harmed because you've been told you are disposable. You no longer matter to me. And we project that onto our relationship with God. Do you realize that your relationship with God is not a temporary relationship? It is a forever relationship that's based on his covenant with you, not just your commitment to him. Can I lose it? No. And let me prove it with Jesus' words. John 10, 28. I give them eternal life that they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Who is it that gives eternal life? Jesus. When does he give eternal life? When we believe. Who can take that from us? No one will snatch them out of my hand. Well, surely he doesn't really mean that. John 5, verse 24. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Jesus says if we hear his words and we believe the one who sent him. And when we say believe the one who sent him, I am a sinner who needs a savior and Jesus is the savior of the world. And this Lord and Savior invites all to believe in him and find life. When we believe the right thing about God and ourselves and Jesus, we can be certain that we have life, life forever with God. Listen to how Jesus said it here, that, that they will not be judged, but they've crossed over from death to life. You have already entered into the new life that you have with Jesus. There's not a day coming when you will die and be raised again and then experience a new life with God. 
The moment you believe, you step into your eternity with God. Now, there is coming a day when God will redeem and restore. There is coming a day when God will wipe away every tear and make every wrong right. There is a day when his justice will be fully known. But Christian, hear me. The moment that you believed in Jesus Christ, you began your life with God forever. Eternal life, John chapter 17. This is that we may know the one and only son who God sent. You don't wait until eternity to live a God-honoring, God-pleasing life. That comes today. We don't wait for everything to be made right for us to live in right relationship with God. That starts today. December 27th, 1989 is the day that I stepped into my forever walk with the Lord. Because that's the day that I believed and found life in him. I'm not bragging because this is about what God did in me. Romans 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no man, no woman, no one can boast. When we talk about this relationship with God, it is a gift that God has given us. Do do you see it? If it's based on the rules that we've kept, that's not a gift. That's like a paycheck. But if it's based on the relationship that we have with him, then then it's a gift. Is your new life that you have been given, the life that you're living on earth even today, is your life one where you're trying to earn the favor of God and get the blessings of God like a paycheck? Or is it every blessing and everything that God gives, it's like a good and perfect gift from the Father above? It's a gift, not a paycheck. You earn a paycheck, you're given a gift. You work for a paycheck. And based on how you work and where you work and the quality of work and the time you work, you will get paid. But a gift is not based on who you are or how much you've done. A gift is not based on what you can do. A gift is given based on the character, based on the resources, based on the love of the one who's giving the gift. The life you have with Jesus, you're not earning it. The life you have with Jesus, the blessings you experience because you're walking with the Lord are not a paycheck. They are his good and perfect gifts to you, to me. Romans 4, 4 through 5. Now to the one who works, wages are credited as a, not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited to them as righteousness. Like when you go to work tomorrow, you're going to expect to get paid, right? You are, they are obligated to pay. Get this. When we are walking with God, he is gifting us life. He is giving us life. He is giving us the power by the Holy Spirit to live a new life with him. So if I don't keep the rules, can I lose my relationship? No. But let me warn you, while you will always be God's kid, you might not be in close relationship or fellowship with him. If you break the rules, the commands in Scripture, if you break the the word of God, which is best for you, like it's best for you to obey the word of God, it's best for you to depend upon and live according to the word of God, if you break that, you will live distant from God, but you are still his kid. 
You will live far from God, but you are forever his child. You know, there were some relationships that I had in life that are based on the rules, right? Like I think about like the principals and vice principals at high school. All those people that I got to talk to all the time. Like when I broke the rules, the, the principal and the vice principal, they were coming to talk to me. Be honest, I wasn't scared of them. You know why? You know what they said? They said, hey, you can't come to school for three days. Oh, like that's bad news. <laughs> Give me more. Right? But my dad, who I had a relationship with, now there was a little fear coming home to him. When you look at God, and I know that principals and assistant principals and vice principals, whatever principals, have great principles and do lots of good work. But when you look at your relationship with God, do you see him just as the principal in your life who's looking to make sure you're keeping the rules? Or do you see him as the loving father who's in relationship with you and walk with you and will see you grow over time? Rules are relationship. Second, since I have a relationship with God, does the law apply to me? And very quickly, I want to put it this way. You need to understand the difference between the law and commands. There is Old Testament law that does not apply to us as believers in Jesus Christ. There is ceremonial law that's in the Old Testament that does not apply to us. We don't have to offer the sacrifices that they offered in the Old Testament. We don't have to have the, the, the festivals and all of that that they had in the Old Testament. There's ceremonial law. There's, already, there's also national law for Israel, the, kind of the civil law for Israel that God gave them so they would stand out and be known as his people. That civil law does not apply to us. Just like our civil law wouldn't apply to them. I mean, can you imagine a society that went by donkey and camel having to have a 55-mile-an-hour speed limit sign? Right? It's a different day. It's a different age. And so the law, their civil law doesn't apply to us. Their moral law. You look and you say, there are moral commands in the Old Testament. And Jesus lived all of these perfectly. And many of these are reproduced, replicated in the New Testament and still apply to us today. But here's the challenging thing as believers. Jesus took the law. Like he said, you've heard it said you shouldn't commit adultery. Like he took the law and then he took it to the next level. And he said, you shouldn't commit adultery. But if you look at a woman lustfully, you've already done it in your heart. <laughs> oh no, I can't keep the rules. I need a relationship with God. See, Jesus took the moral law, he said, you shouldn't murder, and he took it deeper. He said, but even if you're angry with one, you've killed him, like, in your heart and in your thoughts. Oh, I can't keep the rules. I need a relationship. And, and Jesus says, and, and God says in the Gospels, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. You see, this relationship with God isn't a get-out-of-hell-free card that allows us to do anything we want to do after believing in Jesus. This relationship with God is a life-changing relationship where we encounter the grace of God and we're forever changed. Right now, I'm teaching my third child how to drive. <laughs> my third and final child, let me put it that way. And, and let me let me get let me just give this picture. Right now she's got her learner's permit. And so she's driving and, and I'm driving. 
pretending too, right? I'm in, I'm in charge of her driving. And there's going to come a day when she passes driver's ed and we complete the 40 hours of driver's training and then she goes to the DPS office and we wait 14 hours and, and, and she's going to get her license. Does that license give her ultimate freedom to make all of her own decisions, to determine her own destination? Once she gets that license, does she get to determine how late she stays out? Parkway Church, let me hear you. All right. Once she gets that license, does that determine who she gets to hang out with? Oh, I love you guys. Once she gets that license, does she still have some rules that apply to her? Yes. Your relationship with God is not a license to do things your way. It's your timing. It's your own will and want. Your relationship with God is how you live a godly life. It's how you live a life that's pleasing to God. And so you know what I look forward to? I look forward to my baby girl getting her license and learning how to text me and say, hey, we just left school, now we're going to Chick-fil-A. I love that she's gonna talk to me more when she's got her license than she talks to me now that she doesn't. She's gonna text me and say, hey, we're running a little bit late, but I'll make it home. I'm okay. I love it that we're gonna be talking about her life and her decisions because I'm in relationship with her and her license doesn't change that. And we're gonna record this talk and replay it to her on her 16th birthday. <laughs> Last one. How does a relationship with God help me to live a life that's pleasing to God? Well, if you're living your life based on faith and you're living your life where you're obeying the commands of God, not just keeping the rules. Last week there was a church in Hallettsville that was vandalized. Apparently an 18-year-old man drew a swastika in front of that church on its gravel parking lot. And the pastor found out who did it. And he looked at that young man and he said, I forgive you. I have every right to lock you up and to throw the key away for a few years for you to be imprisoned. But I don't want to do that. I forgive you. And then he invited the young man to attend the worship services at the church. Let me ask you this question. Do you think that that young man had more love and respect for the pastor that forgave him? Or would he have had love and respect for the pastor that said, you were wrong and I'm throwing away the keys? To the best of my ability, I'm going to get, I'm going to, we're going to prosecute you? Which one do you think he respected and loved more? The one who forgave him and showed him grace. The same is true with you and me. We love God more. We follow him more because we have been forgiven much. And the Bible says this. How does a relationship with God help me to live a life that's pleasing to God? Jude 1, verse 24. Listen to what God can do as we live in relationship with him. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. See, that's what a relationship with God can do and does do for those who follow him. Relationship with God keeps you from stumbling. And a relationship with God gives you certainty that there's coming a day when you're going to be presented to the Lord without fault and there's going to be great joy because you have trusted Christ. You've believed in him and then you've followed him with your life. This all comes down to how you view God. Do you view God as one who has a list of rules that you must keep? Do you view God as one who's hard 
Do you view God as one who's mean? Do you view God as a cosmic cop? Or do you view God altogether different? Like a father who loves you. Like a perfect father who loves you. Like one who's committed to you. Not based on what you do, but his covenant with you. Spurgeon said this, and I'll be done. While I regarded God as a tyrant, I thought my sin a trifle. But when I knew him to be my father, then I mourned that I could ever have kicked against him. When I thought God was hard, I found it easy to sin. But when I found God so kind, so good, so overflowing with compassion, I smote upon my breast to think that I could have ever rebelled against the one who loved me and sought my good. What's your view of God? Are you living based on those rules? So your sin really doesn't mean anything because you're a sinner. Or are you living based on a relationship where you realize, hey, when I sin, it hurts my fellowship with God. And because God loves me so much and wants to walk in relationship with me, I'm going to follow him so that I grow not to stumble. So that I grow so that I'm presented to God on that day as one who's walked with him for all of my life. Friends, what are you going to choose? Rules? or relationship. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the chance to open our Bibles and to learn and grow together today. God, help us to apply this truth to our life. Church family, as you're a believer in Jesus, maybe you need to pray to God because you know that your fellowship with God is distant and cold. You know that you've got a relationship with him. There's no question on that. But you're not walking and living with him right now. Your sin, your dead religion, has led you to a place where you're distant from God. Now's the time to confess and return. Now's the time to hold on to him because he's never gonna let go of you. And as the church prays, if you're here today and you've never believed in Jesus, I invite you, the Bible says that he's Lord and Savior, and I invite you to believe today and find life in him and him alone. If today's your day, you can mark it with a prayer, you can pray. Jesus, I believe. I believe that I'm a sinner who needs a savior and that you are the savior of the world. Thank you for coming for me, for dying in my place and being raised again from the dead. Today, I believe. Thank you for giving me life.